I was just kind of, I felt like there was something missing and real estate didn't fill that hole entirely. I mean, I think if you think that buying single family houses is going to solve your life, you're wrong. If you think multifamily is going to solve your life, you're wrong. The only way you can fill sort of that emptiness that you feel is to really figure out what it is that your purpose is and, and then move towards that. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Hey guys, today I'm speaking with Jeffrey Holtz. So Jeff is a recovering attorney just like myself, and he spends his time today as a real estate investor. He is the host of a podcast called The Old Fashioned Real Estate Show, and his focus is on single family homes and large commercial properties like hotels, grocery stores, and apartment buildings. Without further ado, I want to welcome Jeff to the show. Hey, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you just share a little bit about, first and foremost, where are you recording this from? Right now, like literally my basement. It's the COVID world, right? So we have to work yeah. out of our house and stuff now. But I've, I've done a lot of shows from the basement lately. So it's getting to be a comfortable place to record. But Chattanooga, Tennessee is where I live now. Mm, okay, very cool. And you know, I, I know you started as a, an attorney and then transitioned to real estate investing. I think it's it's interesting because lawyers, for the most part, don't like to take a lot of risk. You know, yeah. very conservative, want to protect the clients, protect, you know, from every possible scenario that could go wrong. How did you make that transition? Of course, you're right. They train you in law school to avoid risk at all costs. That's sort of the whole point. And I was a terrible lawyer. That's how I made the transition. Probably <laughs> should have never been a lawyer. I went to law school because I wanted to make money. I think that's the entirely wrong reason to pick a job mm. or career. It worked for a while. I was a bankruptcy attorney, actually. So I did mm. a lot of bankruptcies in 2007 and eight. It started to ramp up. And then I actually got leukemia in 2008, ended up personally going bankrupt. And I thought, I got to do something different. You know, there, I've been saying for years, someday I'm going to invest in real estate. And I was like, well, someday might not come. So I better just do it now. That's very interesting. You know, I think we have something in common there. I didn't go through cancer and kudos to you for, you know, going through this journey. I also had a disease and an eye disease, and I almost lost my eyesight. And that, that sounds worse to me than cancer. Uh, well, I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but that kind of helped me transition. And I actually felt that if I went through this, then I'm actually not afraid. What's the worst that can happen? You know, and that gave me the confidence to kind of make a shift and walk out of my job as a lawyer. 
Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, if you go through the kind of stuff that I went through, you say, well, I mean, I might as well give it a try. Like, I might as well do those things. But the truth is, we're all like here just for so long. I mean, we're going to live, whether it's we're unlucky and we get 20 or 30 years or we're lucky and we get 80 or 90 years, it goes so fast. And you only get this one chance. So I'm like, you might as well just do those things and take those chances And yeah, it's easier, I think, if you have some kind of trauma, some kind of thing happened to you that have to go through. I actually view that as a blessing. For me, if I hadn't gotten leukemia, I'd probably still be an unhappy bankruptcy attorney, as opposed to a ridiculously happy and, and, you know, successful real estate person. Yeah. And I see you. I mean, if if you guys are listening, I don't know if you see the video, but I see you're happy, you're smiling, even though you're recording from your basement, doesn't matter. You, You look happy. You know, I thought that, you know, I wanted to go to law school for the same reason that you did. I wanted to be financially successful to make money. And you realize very quickly that it's not enough and that it's not going to make you happy. And then pursuit of happiness for me, at least that was the thing that I was after. Okay. How do I reach happiness? How do I get it? How do I become happy? What do I need to do? And man, it's, I mean, it's a journey. It is. And for me, I was happy in law school. I was happy as a lawyer. I I never felt unhappy. In fact, when I was 17, I decided to give up bad days. So I haven't had a bad day in about 25 years now. I'm aging myself. But, you know, I just I made this choice that I was going to have good days. And I just kept having, you know, and you get better at it, right? So you start looking for positive. When something negative happens, you're like, what's the good that's going to come out of this? And if you do that long enough, it kind of becomes second nature. So I wasn't unhappy. So that's probably I said that, but I don't think that's really accurate. But I wasn't fulfilled either. I was just kind of I felt like there was something missing. And real estate didn't fill that hole entirely. I mean, I think if you think that buying single family houses is going to solve your life, you're wrong. If you think multifamily is going to solve your life, you're wrong. The only way you can fill sort of that emptiness that you feel is to really figure out what it is that your purpose is and and then move towards that and just keep making progress. And that's what I've been doing. I mean, there's obviously a spiritual religious component to that as well. But the thing is, like, whatever it is for you that you want to do, that's what you have to do. So this is what you mean by the last life ever philosophy. That's what you're practicing. How do you do that? You know, sometimes, especially now, there's so much pain out there, frustration, stress. How do you find the strength? What do you do to actively decide today is going to be a good day? It's not going to be a bad day. How do you do that? Yeah. So for me, I wish there was some like magic trick that you could say, oh, this is really easy. (laughs) Um, But for me, it was, I wasn't having good days when I was younger and I was depressed. Or I don't know if I was, I wasn't clinically depressed. I don't think in retrospect, but I had teenage angst, you know, and my parents were divorcing and, you know, everything seemed to be falling apart. I'd broken up with a girlfriend and, you know, I was like, oh, the whole world's terrible. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm young. And there's like all this stuff ahead of me. I have to figure this out. I can't, I can't go down this path because I could see clearly, and this is, you know, I wish there was something I could say that changed it, but it, the reality is some people go down a path where they, every little thing that happens wrong, they embrace that and other people embrace positive. And the truth is good and bad stuff happens to everyone and really good and bad stuff happens to everyone every single day. So when I got diagnosed with leukemia, i had already been 10 or 12 years of not having bad days. And I remember my brother came into the hospital and he said, 
I bet today's a bad day. It was almost like a thing for him. He wanted to prove it wasn't possible not mm. to have bad days. And, you know, in a way he was kind of joking because, you know, we have a good relationship. But at the same time, the point was, it's hard for people to recognize that how you respond to things matters more than what happens to you. Because we all go through stuff. I hope that no one that's listening has to get leukemia to learn these lessons or has to go through the, the disease that you went through to learn these lessons. But we all go through something. And and actually, the people that inspire me the most are people that have overcome adversity. And so in a way, I kind of feel like this year, 2021, 2020, the combination of the COVID years, it's kind of an opportunity for the world to overcome adversity. And so I'm actually really optimistic about the future, because there's going to be a whole lot of positive that comes out of this. Yeah, there's a lot of negative. I'm not I don't want to minimize that, right? It's really sad if people get sick or die. I mean, I've known people that have gotten very, very sick. I've known, you know, friends of friends that have died, and, and there's no fixing that. But for those of us that do survive this, wow, so much opportunity to do great things that we might not have done if we hadn't gone through it. That's amazing. I think your mindset is very strong. You basically, you decided that you're going to be happy. That's, that's very interesting. You know, I'm wondering if you implement this philosophy when it comes to real estate. Or is it something that you keep in your personal life only? No, I, I think it affects everything, right? So whenever you, if your mindset is a certain way, then that's that's who you are. And so for me in real estate, I'm always looking for creative and interesting things to do. I want to help other people invest in real estate. That's one of the things I do. So I, you know, I've done all sorts of things. Like I have my show, the old fashioned real estate show that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. where we just get drunk and talk about real estate. That's literally what we do. (laughs) Because I just want to make this stuff fun because I love it. And I want other people to love it as well. So we drink bourbon old fashions. That's where the name comes from. And we just... Ah. uh, we do that. And then, you know, we started that as a joke almost, but it's been really great because the thing is, if you do, if you put yourself out there in a fun and sort of light and positive way, then good things sort of come back to you. And the more you do it, the more good things that come. So like I did that. And then I interviewed a person on that show who was a securities attorney and she loved what we were doing. And I was talking to her about Last Life Ever and my philosophy, and she was like, hey, we should do a show. So now we have a show, Last (laughs) Life Ever. And I mean, I thought like she was like our most famous guest at the time. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm even talking to her. And now like I'm, you know, partners with her. So and for people who are looking, it's Jillian Sedoti is her name. So that's really amazing. And it's amazing that nothing broke that chain since you were, you said, 17 17, years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, it's like when I'm in the hospital and my brother brought that up about how, you know, today must be a bad day. I was thinking, well, I was diagnosed at 10 o'clock at night. So most of the day was pretty good. And so that day was fine. I had a pass there. Then the next day was a little bit harder, actually, because, you know, now the whole day I know I have leukemia and I actually thought I was dying. Like the reports were really bad. It turned out I'm very fortunate because there was a new treatment protocol for the specific type of leukemia I have that came out right around the time that I was diagnosed. And, and it's, a, it's essentially a miracle treatment. I take a one a day pill and I'm fine, but it's daily chemotherapy for the rest of my life. So there is a trade-off there, but in a way it's kind of nice. Tangentially, 
taking a pill every day that if you don't take it, you're going to die is a daily reminder of your own mortality. And so for me, I think every day when I take this pill, I, I mean, there's some days I just do it and I don't think about it, but I would say like 90% of the time when I take this pill, I stop for a second and I say, I'm so lucky to be alive right? Like I'm super fortunate to be alive and it makes me want to move forward and do big things. And so anyway, the point is the next day was hard. And I remember it was about two in the afternoon. I was struggling a little bit with having a good day. And I kept saying, today's a good day. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. I just kept telling myself that because I really wanted it to be a good day because, you know, it's defined me at that point already, even more now, but at the time it was really important to me. And there was a shift change and a nurse walked in and she saw me and she said, oh my God, Jeff, I'm so sorry to see you here. And I looked at her and I recognized her and I said, oh my God, Shelly, I'm so happy I'm here. And I thought if I hadn't gotten leukemia, I wouldn't see this person who was a childhood babysitter of mine. And, mm. and that was enough that day to make it a good day for me. And then later when I, I was forced into bankruptcy because of my leukemia and my law firm was in disarray because it was a small firm. I had two attorneys, actually, myself and one other one, a week before I was diagnosed, the other one gave me a two-week notice. And so we went from two to zero attorneys overnight. And we had a lot of overhead. That was really hard as a bankruptcy attorney to sit in front of people that I worked with professionally and say, uh, you know, I'm out, like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And there was one trustee that I was actually kind of terrified. They, they assigned these guys and gals randomly. And I got the one I didn't want. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. And that was the only other day that was really hard. And I sat there and in front of this trustee that was like really intimidating. And before he started this meeting, he said, I just want to stop a second and tell you I'm really sorry you're here. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's a real person. And it made my whole day. And so mm. then after that, I've never struggled because I'm like, if I can go through that, I can do anything. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, just going through all of this, what you've been through and still find a positive thing. It's pretty amazing. You know, it's, I think it makes at least for me, it puts things in perspective. I, I moved from California to Rhode Island recently and I'm struggling with the move. I love California. I miss it a lot. And hearing what you're going through puts things kind of in perspective for me. I didn't think when I wake up in the morning, I don't think, oh, today's going to be a good day. Or it was mostly good, even though there's, you know, there's whatever foot of snow outside and it's cold and all the businesses are closed. I can't even get a cup of coffee. Sometimes yeah. you tend to focus on those negative things. It's really easy to do that. And so the thing is, it's kind of like when you get a new car, right? You ever, you know, like you get a new car and then all of a sudden it seems like everyone has that car. That's something called the reticular activating system or the Bader-Meinhof effect. It's basically your subconscious mind defaults to what's familiar. So uh, interesting. like, yeah. So if I had gotten diagnosed with leukemia one day after I decided not to have bad days, I guarantee you I would have had a bad day. Right. For sure. Because because my subconscious mind hadn't been trained to look for positive everywhere. I know this is weird. I realize that most people when they're diagnosed with leukemia and then see their babysitter from their childhood, don't go, oh, look, it was all worth it because I got to see my babysitter because <laughs> objectively, yeah. that's not true. Right. Yeah. Like it would be better not to have gotten leukemia and then maybe saw her at a grocery store instead of at the hospital. But the reality is it doesn't matter because. I couldn't change what happened to me. I can only change how I reacted to it. So if in that moment I found joy, then it was worth it. 
And if I can continue to find joy every day, then all this other stuff doesn't matter. Hell, Hell Elrod, the Miracle Morning author, has this great quote where he says, the moment you accept complete responsibility for everything in your life is the moment you can change anything in your life. Very so that's how you have to look at it. You just have to say, yeah. hey, you know, I live in Rhode Island. I made that choice. It's cold. Yeah. It's cold. It's snowy and the world shut down. But all of this <laughs> stuff that I'm going through right now is making me stronger, better, you know, whatever it is. And, and frankly, like getting leukemia is the best thing that ever happened to me. It really wow. is. I mean, it didn't always feel like that. Right. I mean, there were times when I was like, man, this kind of sucks, but, but at the same time, and I wouldn't wish it on you. Like I said, it's still really good. I wouldn't be talking to you now for sure. If it hadn't been for that. That's very interesting. What do you think is going to happen in 2021, especially in the real estate arena? I mean, you're pretty diversified. You invest in, you know, single family homes and grocery stores and, and multifamily. So right now my focus is multifamily, value add multifamily, like 10 to like 40 units, because I think there's a soft spot in the market there where there's not a lot of competition. And at least in the markets that I play in, that's the case. Long-term, I mean, who knows? I I don't have a crystal ball. I interviewed uh, Harry Dent, who thinks the whole world's going to fall on on both of my shows, Mm -hmm. actually. He thinks everything's going to fall apart, but he's been saying that for 10 years. And I know other people that think that, you know, multifamily real estate never goes down. That's clearly not true either. I feel like if you buy whatever kind of real estate you buy, it's really easy to time the market if you just wait to sell when it's up, right? Like if you pay too much, if you wait long enough, it's fine. If you bought in 2006 and sold in 2010, that's not good. If you bought in 2006, you sold today, you did just fine, right? So I feel like by long-term cash flowing assets that you have adequate cash on hand to cover, you know, any shortfalls Mm -hmm. that might happen in the short term and you have long-term financing in place, just buy whenever you buy and just sell when it's high. What do you plan on selling? Do you usually hold them for three, five, 10 years? I mean, I hardly ever sell anything. Mm. (laughs) I'm more of a cash out and buy something else, refinance kind of person. We actually have been selling our single families mainly because I like multifamily better. So yeah. I mean, I'm repositioning, but I'm not selling to like spend money, right? I'm selling to buy other stuff. I'm not selling to hoard cash. I do think people should have some cash, especially with the uncertainty that's going on right now. But I mean, if the world gets bad enough, there's no fixing it, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you have cash, there could be inflation. If you have, you know, a bunch of assets, there could be deflation. I mean, it just, you don't know what's going to happen. So you just kind of just keep you know producing value and assume that the world will reward you for that value because that's what we get paid for. We get paid for providing value. And the more we give, the more we get. It's just the way it is. Absolutely. That's very interesting. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show and talking about you know your philosophy, your business philosophy and your personal philosophy that bleeds into you know your your professional life. I thought it was very interesting. Well, you talked, you know, a lot about what happened to you and you expose a lot. I don't know if there's anything that people don't know about you, which is one of the questions that we have in the lightning round questions. So is there something that people don't know about you? Well, I mean, some people know everything about me. I don't think I have anything that's super secret. But last <laughs> year, 2020 in February, mm-hmm. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and stood oh, at the wow. highest point in Africa. 
So that was pretty cool. So that's probably, you know, more interesting than some other stuff I could tell you. I mean, I could probably tell you like the color of my shoes or something <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, I didn't know that, but it wasn't that interesting. So that's nice. Wow. And do you have any hobby? Yeah. I mean, I love traveling. Um, so this year has mm. been tough the last 12 months yeah. or so. I like scuba diving a lot. Another thing you don't do a lot in Chattanooga. So that's, that's tough as well. I read a lot. I mean, you can see the, well, the people that are watching video can see that I have a gazillion yeah. books behind me. Yeah. So I read a lot, but yeah, I mean, mostly I just get online and tell people about, you know, how to live their best life. That's kind of my real hobby. Interesting. What you wish you had known when you just started investing in real estate? how great multifamily value add stuff is. I mean, the biggest mistake I made was not investing in real estate soon enough, but the second biggest was not transitioning to multifamily soon enough. Got it, got it. I hear it a lot. Many investors think that they need to start small with single family homes and then transition to triplex and duplex and quads and then graduate to multifamily. And I say, just go to multifamily. Yeah. Economies of scale, it's actually less risky than buying one door. Oh yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you need, you know, a little bit experience to have that kind of confidence to start big. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, if you have the cash to just get into multifamily right away, that's cool. But there's something to be said about ramping it up, building cash, building a mm -hmm. track record, especially if you're going to raise money from other people, you ought to make sure you know what you're doing first. So I do think that there's there is something to be said about maybe start with a single family and then maybe your next one should be a duplex and your next one a quad and then get to multifamily, you know, jump to eight units or something. It's kind of double up every time and you can get to multifamily and large units really fast that way. That's another way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. It's not what I did, but it, it seems right to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I know. I jumped right into, you know, large multifamily properties. So there's multiple ways of, of doing it. There's no just not just one path everyone is different everyone has certain tolerance for risk and some ambitions and their childhood you know kind of experiences that shaped who they are and sometimes opportunities just present themselves for sure and if it's the right time you go for it and if it's not it can be very stressful but anyways the next question i have in the lightning round questions is the number one advice that you have for investors who basically want to scale their portfolio and grow it just do it i mean i it's simple but it really is that yeah. simple you just have to start most people that i talk to about real estate say oh i want to start investing in real estate and then i talk to them you know a few times and then they disappear and they never do anything so just take massive action right away love it love it all right jeff where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and talk to you about investing about the last life ever philosophy or anything else how can they do that yeah so the best place is actually our last life ever facebook group so we have a private facebook group called last life ever private group it's very creatively named <laughs> so if they find me in there i'm in there all the time so if they comment or you know send me a message and they're in that group i'm gonna respond all right. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for dedicating, you know, some time out of your busy, busy day to talk to me and to add value to the listeners. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I hope for you, the listeners, I hope that you found this conversation insightful and enjoyable. Be bold, guys. Be great. Keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.